Hey everyone, it's Simon here, and on behalf of Maria and I, I want to thank you for checking out our podcast, and I want to encourage you to check out our website. On there we have all of our upcoming events, in-person services, gatherings all over the place, and if you're looking for a church in the MacArthur region, check it out. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, it's all there. We'd love to get to know you. Let's get to the podcast. Culture Wars. We started this series a few weeks ago. I hope it's been encouraging you and challenging you as it has been encouraging and challenging me. Uh, Every family has a culture. Every workplace has a culture. Every soccer team has a culture. Uh, Every church community has a culture. And every Christian should embody a culture. And when we become Christians, when we're born again, and God transforms our lives, we get to learn, we must learn the culture of our new spiritual home because we belong to God. Culture can be defined as the shared behavior of a group of people. I really like that definition because culture is, it really is the accumulation of a group's character. Uh, Culture is a character force. When a group of people, when a community uh, behave in such a way, it can influence uh, everyone around them, their community. Uh, This is what's so amazing about the church. The church is to be a force, a character force, representing Christ's character. Because culture is like a tide. It's an influence. And we've uh, mentioned this before, but it's like the ocean waves, how they crash against a cliff face. It doesn't matter how strong that rock is on the cliff face. Over time, that wearing away and and smashing of the waves against it will form that rock cliff face. And just like you jump into a body of water and there's a tide, there's a current. Well, that's what culture is like. Culture can sway you. Culture can push you one way or the other. It's like the old peer pressure thing when you're in a high, when you're a high school student. Oh my goodness, everyone's doing this. This is cool. That's cool. Oh, everyone's smoking. Everyone's drinking. Oh, I, I better, you know, it's that pressure of culture. And if we aren't intentional about our character formation as Christians and the character formation of our kids, well, guess what? The culture will form it for us. And the results aren't always good, right? This inevitable col- uh, collision between kingdom culture and worldly culture, what we want to be, who we want to be like, Christ-likeness and worldliness, when they collide, well, guess what? We're in a war. doesn't mean we're swinging fists at people. No, it's, 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 a, it's an internal war. And in many ways, it's a spiritual war. And this series is all about equipping us to navigate that. And we shared from Romans 12, Verse two, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. It says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, meaning God transforms forms our approval system, our value system when we become born-again Christians. We value the things of God over the things of the world. And when we, in light of what God has done for us, give all of our lives to him, we move from being conformed to being transformed. It's the half-baked Christian that is swayed by the tide of culture. It's, it's the lukewarm Christian that is just swayed. Oh, whatever, oh, whatever, opinions, whatever, you know, the news cycle is, you know, we don't want to be half-baked, lukewarm Christians. We want to be on fire for God. The Christian life is to be lived out of transformation. Have you been transformed? 
You know, I live this way for God because I love this way. I love God. I love his ways. I don't desire to live the world's way. No, I desire to live God's way. God has changed me from the inside out. And last time we were together, we shared from Ephesians in chapter 5, verse 1 to 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And that word walk is the word peripateo. And we put it on papyrus. Peripateo, it's a lifestyle word. It literally means how we walk, how we carry ourselves, how we live. And Paul says, be imitators of God. Walk in love. Live a life filled with love. And our love should be modeled after Christ's love, right? Not the world's love, but Christ's love. And Christ-like love is selfless. It's self-sacrificial, not selfish. Christ's love is also obedient and God-exalting. It says in verse 2, As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to who? To God. Not to myself. To God. That's the key there, right? Christ's love is aimed towards God exaltation. God, a, a fragrant offering to God. You know, the, the world's love is a fragrant offering to me, to, to my, it's, it's all about me and, and myself, right? That's not Christ-like love, okay? So we need to be people who are God-exalting, a kingdom culture is a God-exalting culture. So we've laid this foundation so far in that we must give all that we are to God, live in transformation, value what he values, and we must live out of Christ-like love, not the world's love. You know, I read this um, cool little commentary on the topic of culture wars this week, and it's interesting because, you know, the word culture, the start of it is the word cult. Now, I'm not saying that were a cult, but what I'm saying is that at the root of culture is belief, is belief. And culture with all of its achievement and, uh, and institutions, it's the fruit of religion in many ways. And the point of that is that we're not just in a you know, culture war and, and a behavior war. No, we're in a belief war. We are. Uh, a culture war is a war of belief because our beliefs our, our, particularly our religious beliefs, dictate our behavior. They do. And, and if culture is the shared behavior of a group of people, the observable stuff, well, it's also the shared beliefs of a group of people, isn't it? So we must know that belief and we must be strong in that belief. And that's the vein I want to speak to today. Let's just read from Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to stay in Ephesians like we were last time. Uh, Paul is concluding and encouraging the church to be strong and and equipped for battle, this battle that's ahead of them, uh, this spiritual battle, this battle of, of culture that they are going to endure. And he says this in verse 13 of chapter 6, Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. Paul is using military imagery and he's 
explaining to the Ephesians that, like the figurative armor that the church should wear uh, and Christians should wear. And he goes and he continues to list it all the way up to verse 18, all the different armor things, you know, the, go- the gospel of peace, the helmet of salvation, all this kind of stuff. Um, but it's interesting to me how he starts. He starts with the belt of truth, this kind of metaphoric belt of truth. Uh, and I just think it's an interesting starting point. And that's what I, I want to talk about today. Because when I think about culture wars and the battle between worldly culture and kingdom culture, it's so evident to me that today there is this battle for uh, truth. And this assumption in the world that everyone can just be true at the same time. You can have your truth and my truth, well, and, and my truth and your truth can just kind of coexist and not really collide with one another. Well, when Jesus was uh, about to be crucified, he was being tried by Pilate. Pilate said this to him in, in John 18, verse 37. So you are a king, Pilate asks. Jesus responded, you say I am a king. Actually, I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. All who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. And then Pilate asked the famous question, what is truth? What is truth? Inevitably, if we buy into the lie that we can all be true, we have big issues when our truths collide and how we navigate that. It says in John 8, 31 to 32, Jesus says to to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Or he says this in John 14, verse six to seven, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one can come to the father except through me. The battle for truth in many ways is a battle of life and death. If Jesus is telling the truth, which we believe he is, and if the Bible is true, which we believe the Bible is true, well, we have eternal life. We have hope. Uh, And when the truth is true, there are consequences to that, right? Uh, If God is God and Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, well, there are big consequences for that. But also, if we believe in a mistruth, as true, uh, there are devastating consequences to that as well. Uh, Like, have you ever heard a a rumor or heard something and thought it was really true for a long time until you figured out it wasn't? Like maybe a childhood memory of something that happened, then you find out later, oh, no, that's not what happened. And you're like, oh, kind of spins you out, right? So we need to think about what we believe to be true and commit to knowing what is true. Uh, And I'm talking about the things of God here. I'm not talking about the news cycle or uh, whether or not you read Daily Wire or or The Guardian or whatever. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what you are building your life upon. What are you building your life upon? It says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, Jesus said, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise, and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come, and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. 
I love that imagery. It's a little bit like that culture tide that we were talking about, the waves crashing against the cliff. Truth is proven to be true by its reliability. And when the storms of life and the tides of culture battle against you, what you are, what is true, what your life is built upon will sustain you. And I think this is such a great encouragement for us as Christians and great evidence for the truth of Christ and his word and his teachings is all the testimonies we've seen of people, Christians who have endured great hardship, building their lives on the foundation of Christ's teaching. Yes, that means Christ is a sure foundation. He's not just, we're not, oh, we're not just giving this a try. No, no, he's a sure foundation. We can trust him, amen? We can trust him. Why is that? Because they're true. <laughs> and just before uh, Paul starts listing the armor of God in, in Ephesians chapter 6, he says this in verse 10. Let, let's have a look at this. A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Now, just as a disclaimer, okay, we need to be careful when we read Ephesians 6 that we don't just jump into these superstitious spiritual beliefs. This Ephesians 6 is not demonology, <laughs> where you just build a whole doctrine on demons because of, you know, oh, this is, oh, we're fighting, you know, I'm walking around swinging my Bible around my house, walking around my house seven times, no, 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 come on, like, oh, I went shopping today and I couldn't get a parking spot, it's the devil, oh, my kids are acting their age and they're fighting over their toys, oh, their toys must be cursed, come on, let's not give the devil more credit than he deserves, you hear me, Christian? Come on, let's not be superstitious. Let's be rooted in the truth here that we are victorious in Christ Jesus. But let's try and see what Paul, what is Paul really saying here? Is he saying that we are in this, that we are to put on this, we're going to stand there in a prayer meeting and put on the helmet of salvation and start screaming at the heavens? No, I don't think that's what Paul is saying. He's speaking to the Ephesians who were bombarded by Roman imperialism. Okay, we talked a lot about this context last time we spoke here, he's using military imagery, and he's outlining this armor of God. He's about to outline the armor of God that the church should be adorned in. And this key word in verse 11, he says, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Other translations say the word schemes. Well, that word is the Greek word methodia. Methodia. And that word uh, literally means to trick or to be crafty. And that same word shows up in Ephesians 4 verse 14, uh, where Paul is talking about growing up in the Lord and standing firm in him. It says this, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Schemes. That word there Notice the themes here of, of waves and, <laughs> and influences and, and all that kind of stuff. But in Jesus' teachings and the teachings of Paul as well, which is all God's word, the truth of God will keep you strong and will stop you from being tossed about by all sorts of things going on. And the devil has a variety of methods uh, against God's people. And one of them is this word, methodia, trickery, trickery. And much of what Paul is talking about in Ephesians 4, 
uh, which also influences Ephesians 6. It's all to be taken as one whole letter, uh, are very human in expression. Okay, uh, there, there are humans involved in bad teaching and bad doctrine. He's saying, hey, don't be tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Okay, and then later on, he's saying in Ephesians 6, verse 10, let's go back there. Uh, we'll start from verse 11. Put on all the armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies, the schemes of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. So there's this danger here that if we um, conclude that all these enemies we're fighting are just, or all of them are just unseen and and invisible, uh, I think we're, we're missing the layer of truth that Paul is bringing to us is that, hey, yeah, they are spiritual in their origin, of course, but their expression and how we experience them are very much at a human level, okay? Uh, they're spiritual in cause, but they might not always be spiritual in, sp- in expression. Uh, what I'm saying, they're, 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 the, the schemes of the devil are shown are exposed in things like human misteaching, in methodia, that word. And I think it's important that when we're talking about truth, and that is in this battle of truth in, in our culture war, um, this is a battle, although it is very much taking place spiritually, of course, everything is spiritual, but the rubber hits the road, it practically expresses itself in our thought life, in our study, in our knowledge, in our discipleship, um, in, in politics, in all these types of things. There, there is a human element, a human expression to the spiritual causes and the spiritual battle we're in. I hope that's making sense for you. So, Because uh, what I don't want to buy into is this thought that we just uh, you know, stomp around and yell at the devil, okay? Uh, but then we don't look at God's word and find the truth. You get what I'm saying? Uh, let's, th- that's the difference, in my opinion, the difference between superstitious belief of I can just scream and scream at the devil and or, or God-founded belief, and that is looking at God's word and combating mistruth with truth. That's spiritual warfare. Combating darkness with light. That's spiritual warfare, okay? If we want to win this culture war between kingdom culture and worldly culture, we as Christians need to be grounded in truth, grounded in God's truth, wearing the belt of truth, Paul says, guarding ourselves against the methodia of the devil, the schemes, the mistruth. Uh, How do we know what is the truth? Where do we find it? Well, we find it in God's word, the truth of God's word, the proven, tested truths of God's word. And that's not always easy. Sometimes it takes some digging, some uh, discipleship, some study to, to really see what God is telling us to do in certain circumstances in our life. Uh, using, you know, it says in verse 17 of Ephesians 6 that the word of God is the sword of the spirit, the sword of the spirit, right? It's not saying that we, 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 swing around our Bible like a sword and yell at at the heavens. No, no, no. It's saying that we must use the truth of God's word to combat mistruth and the schemes of the enemy. We, We find it in God conversations, in God thought. Knowing God's truth is about offense, not just defense. 
How do we battle against the culture of fear? Well, with the truth of God's word. How do we battle against the culture of confusion? Well, with the truth of God's word. Amen. We combat mistruth with truth. Uh, Just like Jesus says, we have a firm foundation. We're building our life upon the rock, the bedrock of Jesus' teachings. And if we are engaged in God's truth, the tide of culture will move us towards mistruth and humanism and individualism and false doctrines of materialism and secularism and all these other schemes of the enemy. You know, Christians, we all know Christians who have been led astray by stupid doctrine, (laughs) just stupid doctrine, distractions and things that are taking them away from the, the mission of the gospel, the truth of the gospel. They get caught in some little finicky thing over here in the corner and they're just distracted, distracted. And next thing you know, they're, they're not even following the Lord because they've allowed mistruth to, to take root in their life. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learn and receive from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Let's, so let's not be a people who are swayed by the culture of controversies and criticism and hate-filled speech and the news cycle and political arguments. Kingdom culture is a truth culture. A truth culture. And that truth is Jesus' teaching. God's word. Amen. So throughout this series, we've talked about being all in for God. We've talked about having Christ-like love according to Christ's love, not the world's love. And we talked about living on the foundation of God's truth. And in the next couple weeks, as we meet in person, which is exciting, we're going to talk about some practical outworkings of that. Get a little bit more. Um, uh, we've been talking big picture stuff. We're going to get a little bit more step-by-step uh, outworkings of what kingdom culture really Look like, looks like. So what are you building your life upon today? Are you building your life on God's truth? Have you allowed yourself to become distracted by a mistruth? And I, I've been praying that that the schemes of the enemy would be exposed as we open up God's word. And you know, can I encourage you to meet up with someone? Hey, Maria and I are available. There are other good, solid, mature Christians in our church. This is why we get together. This is why we have park lunches and, and d- dinners out so we can have opportunity to have conversation and, and encourage one another toward maturity in the Lord. Amen. And if you are today unsure of something, hey, there's lots of resource out there. There's, there's podcasts, there's books. Get in contact. We would love to, uh, equip you. If there's a specific topic or area that you're like, man, I'm really struggling with this. I don't understand what this means in God's word. Well, let's talk about it. Instead of getting led into mistruth down, you know, the, the, the valley uh, into the valley of distraction. Come on, talk to your pastors, talk to, to people in the body of Christ who, who want the best for you and want you to build your life upon God's foundation. Amen. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you for every person in every one church. And I thank you that that your word is a sure foundation and we can build our lives upon you and your truth. And Lord, I know that there are so many schemes of the enemy that are all around us. I ask that you would help us by your word and by good faith community around us, Lord, that you would help us 
expose those schemes of the enemy, and then you would help us get back to the firm foundation that is your truth and your teaching. Help us today, Lord. Where uh, Forgive us where we've fallen short. Forgive us where we've been distracted. Forgive us for where we've uh, believed something that's just not of you. And Lord, we lay it at your feet today and we say, God, we want to follow you. We want to build our lives upon the firm foundation of your teaching. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, next week, we're in person for the next two weeks, which is just exciting. So we will see you in church next week. Don't miss it. Hey, come on. You want to talk about schemes of the enemy? A mistruth is that, ah, you know, church is not important. No, it is, man. We need to get in God's word. We need to build ourselves on God's truth, right? And and not just on, you know, sports and all that. No, no. We need to prioritize that and say, Lord, I'm here for you. I'm here to learn more about you. And I'm here to gather with the community of faith that we have been planted in. Come on, I hope you can join us next week and I hope you have an amazing week. See you later.